0: As we continue our Fearless Faith series, I want to talk to you first about what we've talked about. We've been in Psalm 27. In Psalm 27, David declares that he trusts the Lord, that he has faith in who God says he is. And in the first sermon, this will be the the third of four, in the first teaching that we did, we talked about how his fearless faith caused him to be confident in who God is and we can be that we can have that same kind of confidence that David declared that he was a salvation to him that he was God's salvation that he was the light and he was the defense so first is the light he revealed God to us and then in salvation delivered that through the removal of the darkness and then now gave us the ability to know that he defends us that he watches after us that he keeps us That he is our defense. And in that confidence, like we talked about last week, we can have expectation. Man, I'd hate to be a Christian and have no expectation of God. But praise God, we don't have that problem. We serve a God that should bring us confidence and should bring us to a place of expectation. I pray because I believe God wants to answer my prayers. Amen? So today I want to talk to you about fearless faith. Faith that doesn't consider anything except for the God that it serves. And how that fearless faith seeks. And I'm going to do that today out of Psalms 27, because that's where we've been. But through verses 7 through 10. But I want to start by saying this. We will find Him where we seek Him jeremiah twenty nine thirteen says you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart i want you to grab a hold of that i love declarative statements in scripture i love when the bible just grabs a hold of you he doesn't try to talk in poetic language he's not trying to impress you with strong verbiage he just says this you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all of your heart he doesn't say 90% of the time, as you search for me, you're going to find me. That other 10%, you're on your own, though. It's going to be tough. He says, where you search for me, you will find. I need you to get a hold of this because it's, it's the basis for which I'm going to tell you everything today. As we seek God, we find God. Pastor Jim, I can't grab a hold of God. Maybe you haven't searched after him with all of your heart because the promises of God are true. The word of God is true. And if there's any failing in it, I promise it's not because the word of God has stopped being true. It's because we've stopped pursuing and seeking after the word of God the way that we should. And so the fearless faith seeks. I want to tell you a story. There's a young man, arrogant young man, as most of us are until we're about 40. And then we realize how arrogant we are, usually through life circumstance or a punch in the mouth. Can I get an amen? Amen this young arrogant young man goes up to a priest and he says i want more of god just all bold and confident like that and a priest said okay he turns him around walks him out of the church walks him through town walks him down to a lake close to town and says get in that water he said what he said get in that water get in there chest deep kid does what he says he does what he's told to do he gets in the lake he Goes up to about chest level. And the priest asked him, he said, tell me what you want. He said, I want to know more of God. I want more of God. And the priest grabs him by his shoulders and puts him underwater for about 20 seconds. Kid wasn't expecting that. And so because he wasn't expecting that, he wasn't ready for that. Because he wasn't ready for that, he starts thrashing around, starts grabbing at the priest's hands, trying to get him off of him. After about 20 seconds, the priest lets him up. And then he asked him, he said, let me... Ask you again, what do you want? He said, I want more of God. Wondering the whole time, why are you put me ahead underwater? And the priest, after hearing his exclamation one more time, <coughs> says this, or grabs him by his shoulders and puts him back under the water, this time for 30 seconds. And the kid's thrashing about, doing all the stuff that you do when you don't like to be held underwater. And 30 seconds is a long time, especially when someone else is holding you underwater. After 30 seconds, the priest finally lets him up and looks at him right in his face and says, tell me what you want. And he says, I want more of God. And So the priest grabs him by his shoulders, sticks him under the water, this time for a minute. The kid thinks he's going to die. He's doing everything he can to get shed of the priest, to have him let go. He's choking. He's drawing in water into his mouth. He just wants to get out of that water. And so after a minute, the priest lets him up, and the priest looks at him, and he says, tell me what you want. He said, I just want some air, man. He said, when you want God as much as you want that air, you'll have the God you're looking for. That's true for us. We give lip service to the fact we want God, but how badly do we want God? How badly, how urgently do we seek the God we say we want? because the Bible says you seek me you will seek me and find me where you search for me with all your heart how wholeheartedly are we searching after God and what can we expect to find when we seek this is what David knew I'm going to make three points what David knew that he would get when he sought after the face of God what his fearless faith caused him to seek after the first point out. let me read the text first. I'm going to be teaching 7 through 10. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice, and be gracious to me and answer me. When you said, Seek my face, my heart said to you, Your face, O Lord, I shall seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my help. Do not abandon me nor forsake me, O God of my salvation. For my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me up. Amen. So what is it he sought God after expecting and having confidence in the fact that he would receive? Number one, fearless faith seeks to be heard. Fearless faith seeks to be heard. In 7 verses, seven and 8, he says, Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice and be gracious to me and answer me. When you said, Seek my face, my heart said to you, your face, O Lord, I shall seek. We all have a desire to be heard. I, I love that we so often cry out in our prayer, in our anguish, in our confusion. Hear, O Lord. Not all like hear, H-E-R-E, H-E-A-R. Hear, O Lord. With this boldness, with this confidence, with this expectation, we say, Hear are the cries of my mouth, O Lord. This is how we should come before God. Sadly, we more often than not come to God as David came to God in Psalm 22 with these words. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? God hasn't forsaken you. Far from my deliverance are the words of my groaning. Oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer, and by night, but I have no rest. God wants hero Lord faith from us and often what he gets is God why have you forsaken me why have you forgotten me why have you not heard my voice why have you turned your face away from my face your ear away from the sound of my voice why aren't you listening did you forget about me anybody ever felt like God forgot about them that in their prayers their prayers hit the ceiling and bounce back in their lap and you're wondering why am I not hearing why is God not listening to me Can I tell you, God's listening to you. He's as close to you as the person sitting next to you, yea, even closer, because the Spirit of God lives in you if you're a believer. So you don't even have to scream for Him to hear you. He hears you. I want you to take confidence in that. But let me tell you, there are times, I've experienced times, when I cry out to God and I don't feel like He's listening. I feel your pain. I know where you're coming from. I, I, I smell what you're laying down. I'm not sure that's the exact phraseology. I pick up what you're throwing down. There you go. I don't want to smell what you're throwing down. <laughs> but you know what I've learned? I've learned that I, when I can't see the hand of God moving my life, I can trust His character when I don't see God answering my prayers I can open my Bible and find out that he's not a liar I can find out that he's my strength that he cares about me that he loves me that he considers me that he knows the numbers of hairs on my head that he has my my name engraved in the palm of his hand that he sent his son Jesus to die for me because I trust his character I can have confidence in my prayers And I can seek him in those prayers. Amen. One of my favorite, most of you know this, one of my favorite prophets in the Old Testament is a minor prophet named Habakkuk. I love Habakkuk. Habakkuk was a real kind of cat. He starts his letter, book, with seven questions. To God the Chaldeans are coming against the people everything seems like it's it's just God's forgotten all his promises over them and he asked them this seven questions he asked God these questions how long O Lord will I call for help and you not hear? y'all ever ask God a question like that I have why do you make me see iniquity and cause me to look on wickedness look among the nations observe be astonished wonder Then he asks this question, he says, Are you not from everlasting, O Lord, my God, my Holy One? How is it you're allowing this to happen? Don't you have perspective of eternity to know what what I'm dealing with? Why do you look with favor on those who deal treacherously? You ever wonder why the people around you that you know are intentionally, willfully sinning are prospering above you? Even though you're doing everything to seek to face a God, these are the kind of questions that Habakkuk's, Asking God. He said, why are you silent when the wicked swallow up those more righteous than they? Like creeping things without a ruler over them. 17, he says, will they therefore empty the Chaldeans, empty their net and continually slay nations without sparing? How are you blessing these people? Can I tell you, or I don't know if I can or not, I'm going to. Habakkuk didn't have a single one of those questions answered. At least not in this this writing. Asked seven questions of God, got no response from God regarding those questions. But he trusted God's character over God's action. And the reason I love Habakkuk so much is because the last three verses in Habakkuk because he trusts God's character, he says this, even when there's no action, we need to get to this place. Though the fig tree should not blossom, and there be no fruit on the vine, though the yield of the olive should fail, and the fields produce no food, though the flock should be cut off from the fold, and there be no cattle in the stalls, yet I will exult in the Lord. I will celebrate God. I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength. And He has made my feet like hinds feet and makes me walk on high places. Don't you we need an even if kind of prayer life. Because God hears us. I want you to know God hears you. And because God hears you and you can have confidence in that, and because you can walk in expectation of that, you should have an even if faith. An even if fearless faith. To say, even if the fig tree does not blossom, even if there's no fruit, even if the olives should fail, even if the fields produce no food, even if the flock should be cut off, even if there's no cattle in the stalls, even if I'm starving to death, is what he's saying. There's no provision for me at all. I will celebrate the God that I serve because I trust the character of God and I know that he hears me. I try to build your faith today. Stop asking, God, why don't you hear me? and submit to the fact that you just haven't received the answer that you want yet. Or maybe you have received an answer, but it's not the one you wanted. The church needs to get to a place where we're confident in the character of God, whether we get a yes in our prayer request or not. go, you know, well, God didn't answer my prayer, didn't he? I, I, I I've attended three funerals in the last few weeks every one of those funerals at some point before the person passed away cried out to God for a physical healing of that individual every one of them still passed away and we struggle with that and I struggle with that can I tell you I'm the same flesh you are I struggle with that I prayed those prayers Angela and I were at the last one that we attended a couple of days ago and there was a lady that's friends of ours from the church that we well, where I got saved and she was, she was sitting next to Angela and she was voicing how she had called out to God and was mad at God because God didn't answer her prayer to heal that particular person and she said the Holy Spirit just slapped me right upside the head with this what makes you think that her physical healing was the first prize and her physical healing is the second prize the first prize is to be in the presence of God forever amen that's hard for us though because in our flesh we think God didn't hear our prayer or God didn't love us enough to answer our prayer let me tell you there's never been a prayer that God, that you prayed to God that he didn't hear even if he didn't give you the answer that you wanted no is still an answer no, I can't give you that. It's going to destroy you. I can't give you that. It's going to tempt you beyond what you can handle. I can't give you that because I have better something waiting down the road for you. No is an answer, too. But you know that the answer that really gets me, frustrates me, if you will, just being blatantly honest with you, is the not yet answer. What? Almost immediately after giving my life to the Lord, I knew I was supposed to be doing exactly what I'm doing. But ain't nobody that just got saved two weeks ago going to be allowed on a platform to pr- to preach to folks, and rightfully so. So I, I found a mentor. Pastor Rick is the guy that raised me up. He was the guy that held a golden crown over my head and taught me how to grow into it. He spent days a week with me, called me all the time, challenged me with Scripture, did all the things that we should be doing for each other in regards to discipleship. And every six months I'd go to Pastor Rick and I'd be all, Pastor Rick, I need to go talk to Pastor Davis. I need to ask him to pray and confirm whether or not I'm called to ministry. And Pastor Rick gave me this, not yet, you ain't ready. I was like, all right, because I'm man under authority. I understand the importance of authority. Six months later, Pastor Rick, I need to go talk to Pastor Davis. Not yet, you ain't ready. Six months. I need to go talk to Pat. Not yet, you're not ready. Not yet, you're not ready. Every six months for six years, I asked Pastor Rick, and he said, nope, you're not ready. Until one day, Pastor Rick called me and said, you're ready. So I went and talked to Pastor Davis. It took me about a week to get into his office because of his schedule. I walked in, and... He offered me a job on his pastoral staff never had to ask him to confirm my calling because the answer was not yet and i was willing to submit to that answer recognizing that it was not the answer i wanted the answer turned into yes be okay with the yes the no and the not yet you're going to be blessed in either one of them because Romans 828 promise is in every one of those answers did you hear what I said The Romans 828 promise is in every one of those answers some of y'all are what's 828 and we know everybody say no that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God and to those who are called according to his purpose you know what that is that's the assurance of things hoped for which is by definition, faith. I have an assurance that God sees me, cares about me, hears me, and answers those prayers, even if they aren't the answer I wanted. I praise God for answering prayers that I wanted a yes for that he answers no to because I know there's there's some promise. There's some Romans 8, 28 promise coming. Not yet. Oh, man, when it happens, it's going to be good. But we have to be willing not just to seek but to seek to be heard and seek to hear according to his will because we know that God answers prayers according to his own will now that's not a that's not an excuse to pray lazy prayers people I just pray God that whatever your will is that's lazy prayer pray the word of God because this is this is the promise first John 514 and 15. This is the confidence that we can have that anything we ask according to God's will, He hears us. And because He hears us, we have what we've asked for. And sometimes, no is His will. Amen? Not only does fearless faith seek to be heard, it seeks to be protected. David, in this set of verses that I've read to you, calls God His salvation. Oh, God of my salvation. This is the second time he's done this in this prayer. He's not denying that God saves him. What he is saying is that he still desires to be protected. Even if you're in relationship, there are times when we're wondering if God's got our back. Can I tell you, God's got your back. He's not only got your back, he's got your front. He watches you in every place, in every situation, and is with you according to his spirit. You are protected. Here's where I normally spend a lot of time talking about different texts in Scripture. I'm not going to do that today, not in regard to this bullet point. What I'm going to do is I'm going to read you some verses. I want you to write them down, and I want you to take them home and meditate. Because how is faith built? Faith is built by hearing. Amen? Hearing what? The Word. So I'm going to read to you some of the Word to build your faith that you're protected he is your strength Isaiah 41 10 I will strengthen you which is a huge blessing for me because if he is my strength and he's the strongest most powerful being in the universe then what do I have to fear why can't I have faith to believe that he sees me he, is, he will strengthen you. I will help you. Surely I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Which isn't just to say he's your strength. But in that strength, he's going to hold you up over the problems that you have. He's going to take care of you. He's going to wrap you in his righteous right hand. And I, I can't hear or read or bear witness to anything capable of plying you away from his hand. So, no. He is my strength. But also know that He will never forsake you. Deuteronomy 31.6 Be strong and courageous. I'm telling you, church, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or tremble at them. Them is anything that would be opposed to the will of God. For the Lord your God is the one who goes with you. He will not fail you or forsake you. Again, not poetic language. That's plain talk. He will not fail you. He will not forsake you. But I didn't get what I wanted. Go back to the first bullet point and spend some time there. He hasn't forgotten you and he hasn't forsaken you. He is your shield. Psalm 28, 7. The Lord is my strength and my shield, which means he's my protector. I can count on hiding behind him that he's going to watch after me, that the enemy isn't going to be able to penetrate who God is. My heart trusts in him and I'm helped. Therefore, my heart exalts, celebrates And with my song, I shall thank him. You know what's incredible about this verse? The same David that says, Why hast thou forsaken me? Wrote that text. That means David was flesh just like us. That means David sometimes struggled. But because he sought the face of God and found him where he sought for him, he can boldly and confidently say that. He is our Deliverer. Psalm 34, 19. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. Amen. But the Lord rescues him from them all. Again, the same David that said, Why hast thou forsaken me? Seek God and watch those questions that you have begin to fall away from you. It, he's all of these things and so many more. 2 Samuel 22, 3-4. through four, My God my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, which means the strength of my salvation, my stronghold, my refuge, my Savior. You save me from violence. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, and I am saved from my enemies. Man, I just want you guys to know you seek Him where you find Him. Where you seek after him with your whole heart. And he is all of these things. That he is capable and desires to protect you. By the way, that last verse was written by the same David. I love it when people's verbiage changes from, Pastor Jim, I'm struggling in this area. to Pastor Jim, let me tell you about the victory I got in this area. Because as you seek God, those victories will happen. They may not look like you thought they would look, but they'll happen. And number three, why does he protect us? Why does he hear us? What motivation is there for a God to love us, for the God to love us? that is the motivation because he loves us there's an old song he loves us oh how he loves us oh how he loves us David in verse 10 says this for my father and my mother have forsaken me but the Lord will take me up David didn't literally mean his father and mother forsook him in fact as you study this, this verse this psalm you realize that it was part of, it was a part of his life that it was likely that his parents were already deceased and there's no indication in scripture that they ever did anything ugly to him so what's David saying though my most intimate relationships fail God won't fail me the people I could, thought I could count on that turned their back to me God's more faithful than they are the person that turned their ear away from me their eye away from me their heart away from me no matter how intimate the relationship is God's relationship and desire to love you is greater than theirs and then it says this but the Lord will take me up this is a term that means a reception of strangers and wanderers into one's house Did you catch that? Even if all my relationships fail me, regardless of who I thought I could count on, but I couldn't, regardless of who I believed in, but found out they were untrustworthy, the Lord won't forget me, but he won't just not forget me. He will take me into his own house. I want to tell you a story. I was a runaway at 14 years old. Lived on the streets of downtown Dallas. For a long time my granny and my papa who lived here couldn't get in touch with me through a phone call. And they starting to wonder why. So my granny sent my papa to Dallas to find me, along with a friend of a fr- family friend of ours. He drove his van to Dallas. And they searched all over downtown Dallas and finally found me and they brought me home and when I say home I mean to Statesville where they lived and I remember I was nervous I was a little uncomfortable and as I got out of that van I, I sat on the patio or stood on the patio and I was filthy because my papa found me and just loaded me in a van I was filthy. I was ragged. I was wearing clothes that that were just torn to shreds and were dirty. And in my bag I held a trash bag full of stuff. Clothes and whatnot that I had stolen. So I had all this stuff and I'm holding and I'm looking at my grandmother as she's looking kind of standing in the doorway, she looks at me and she says, you can't come in here like that. And I was a little taken aback. Papa went all the way to Dallas to come get me. And she said, you're filthy. I have to clean you off first. You're covered in rags. Those clothes don't suit you. And that bag of stuff that you're carrying around, you're not meant to carry that around. We're going to put that in the trash. That's exactly what happened. I hosed off on the patio because we lived in the country. Granny gave me new clothes and threw my old stuff away. Why do I tell you that story? Because they did it out of the motivation of love which is exactly what Jesus did for us. He looked at us in our filth. He looked at us in our rags. And said those clothes will never suit you. Take on this garment of righteousness instead. Be who I've called you to be. And all that stuff we were carrying around, all that stuff that was weighing us down that we thought was so important, Everything that we had that made us feel like we were somebody? God said, you don't need that either. Let me get rid of that for you. Let me free you from having to carry that around. That's that's how much God loves us. And like the literal adoption of my grandparents, the word of God says that he adopted us as sons, had a plan to adopt us as sons. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 5, it says, He predestined us, which means He had a plan for us to adopt us as sons through Jesus Christ to Himself according to the kind intention of His will. Because He had kind intent for us. To the praise of the glory of His grace, which He freely bestowed on us, in the Beloved, which is Jesus. and I love that. I didn't deserve it. I don't deserve it now, except that God gave it to me. Except that Jesus Christ crawled upon a cross and shed His blood for me. That He had His body broken for my healing. That He was blasphemed and ridiculed. That He took the curse of sin that I deserved the death sentence that I deserved. Why would He do it? Because He loves us. Because He loves you. The verse is plain, it's simple, it's memorized by every kid in Sunday school class. But it's precious. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life and he did it because he loves us because we were judged because we were sinful but now judge no more clean new garments and God has taken away our junk so I'm going to ask you a question are you clean Do you still have on the filthy rags of who you were? Are you still carrying stuff that you shouldn't be carrying? Jesus Christ literally died. This isn't a fairy tale. It's historic fact. Died so that you could be made new.